The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. College football Christmas week bowl edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, all the college knowledge, Brad Powers. To my right, Steve Fezzik and sharp infested college football waters. Ken Thompson, family commitment. I'm RJ Bell. Guys, this is dedication. Fezzik has a, uh, a young son. Some would say a prodigy. We'll see. I'm always skeptical. Brad, I, who knows what's going on? There seems to be a lot behind the scenes with this guy. But it's Christmas effing Eve. And we're here at the pregame.com offices. Ken, he's got commitments he could not get out of. We don't blame him at all. We're going to go through. Now, we're going to do this a little differently because we're going to go. Brad, is it Wednesday's games through Saturday or Thursday through Saturday? Thursday through Saturday. All right. So remember, guys, that last week's pod had the Wednesday games in it. We're releasing this Wednesday morning like we usually do. But we didn't want you to have to listen real quick because some of those games start in the middle of the day. Always thinking ahead. At least we try. So we're going to go Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we're recording another podcast and having it up crack of dawn Monday. Crack of dawn Monday for the rest of the college games. So best we can do. By the way, we actually have our Fox show here. In about an hour and a half on Christmas Eve, yes. I'm going to be eating my lunch. So I'm going to try, I'll mute my mic, I'll try. But this is going to almost be, now Brad goes, oh, you know, Brad goes, oh, I ate earlier. And Fez is like, oh, I don't need any lunch. I'm looking at these guys. Now, none of them are fat, but they both have a little pot belly. It's like, you ever wonder why guys who aren't thin always are like begging off a lunch? But if you had a camera at Fez's house, I'm guessing you're seeing a lot of potato chips. A lot of iced coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But you, but when they're at when people's watching them, it's like, oh no, what lunch? What we, <laughs> you don't know me. Lunch is for wimps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little gecko there. All right, let's see how everyone did last week. Hi, I'm Brad Powers. I went one and one in the games decided last week. Zero dollars, still up one thousand two hundred and seventy for the year. Hi, I'm Steve Fezzik. I went two and one last week. I picked up $800. Year to date, I'm down $250. RJ, zero oh and one. What game did I lose? OU. Yeah, Ohio. Saint, yeah, that was it. How, what, I didn't even watch that game. What was the final? 27 nothing. So I was close. Fez, <laughs> <laughs> you could say there was one play in the first quarter. Who knows how it would have swung the no, game? No, that, that game made the excellent point you've made forever about the variance in college bowl <laughs> games. Yep. Uh, I can't believe I owe Ken money. He's not here. You know it was a serious commitment. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who are we kidding? All right, let's do it. Showtime! Woo! Okay, going through rotation order. 
by the way, Brad, 12 and four on his best bets. And I got to tell you again, I don't follow every college game. Brad, it seems like I've gotten more love on uh, based on like, how would you characterize the double likes and the plate? Like if you just sat and said, I'm going to play the obvious games from the dream preview pod, college football, we've been killing the bowls from what I can gather. I would say 75 or 80% of the games that we've uh, all agreed upon. Yeah, people was very happy. Yes, they are. Yeah, like most recently, the Fresno game. I think we all aligned UAB on Fresno was Vegas. One. We all aligned. Florida up. International. Yeah. And guys, listen, and this is absolutely true. If we were 33%, which over a handful or over 20 games, you know, going 7 and 13 is very easy. It's It's very, very easy. The best we're going to do is 55%. So when you're really hot, enjoy it. When we're below 55%, understand the long-term perspective. Don't think it's this. It's not easy. That's the easy. The easy part is it's not easy. So it's great we're winning. And listen, when you're on a losing streak, you can't wait for that variance to swing back around. So enjoy it when you're, you know, you feel the pain when you lose. So enjoy it when you win. Just don't mistake how hard it is to win. We're going to win one extra game out of every 20 compared to a drunk baby flipping coins. I mean, we have a glass table. If we put a baby in the middle of the table, but we don't, wouldn't necessarily feed him the booze, but let's say he got into the booze and he was flipping coins. And we said, uh, the baby lush has the dog, you know, tails or the dog. We'd win one out of 20 or you guys in, in college football would win one out of 20 extra games. That's it. And why? Because on the games, Fezzik bets, Brad bets, they're going to be laying four and a half instead of six and a half. And you might say, well, what's important about that? You're right. It's irrelevant unless the favorite wins by five or six. In every other case, Fezzik and the drunk baby are the same. Brad and the drunk baby are the same. It's just when the game falls five or six. Brad and Fezzik wins, the drunk baby loses. That's 55 versus 50%. You guys agree with that? I agree. And a good exercise for those who are betting, go ahead and at the end of the year, add up your results and how you would have done if you got just one extra point on every game or if you got one worse point every game. You'll be shocked at how horrible you do getting one worse point and how well you do just getting one extra point across. And horrible relative to your other performance. If you had a 70% year, which happens... You're going to vary, go down some or up some. Okay. And, you know, along that concept of what really is an edge, I did a Twitter post on Sunday. Got a really good response. I was in like some real critical people. I was impressed because they were open-minded at RJ in Vegas. Check it out. I won't be tweeting all that much during the holidays. So it won't be that far back in the Twitter feed. I think it's worth a read if you're interested in really what is an edge. Temple, Duke, Temple is three and a half. Oh, last thing. Ken knows his stuff. Brad knows his stuff. But I can speak, you know, I work more closely with Brad and I can speak from personal knowledge. Brad probably has triple the information available on any given game the whole year. Week six, the fifth game, he probably had triple the info then he shares because one, we got limited time. They're already going two hours. Two, Ken might touch on some of the stuff. Three, some of the stuff is more important than others. 
we're going to do here is always go to Fez first with anything. And if you don't have it, Fez, got nothing, nothing special in this game. And then Brad is just going to break it down. And to me, this is going to be a chance, you know, like on Cheers in the later years, like Sam Malone, like once or twice a season would be on a trip somewhere because because Ted Danson in his contract, he didn't have to do every show. And then it'd be a chance like, oh, we're going to visit Norm and finally see what Vera's like. You know, this is the chance. <laughs> I'm Ted Danson in this an- analogy, but I never get a day off. But in this chance, Woody's gone and Brad gets a step up. Brad is Norm because he doesn't eat lunch. <laughs> gets a step up and really show his stuff. So Fez, you go first. Duke Temple. Yeah. So this is a game. It was complex. I looked through it. I didn't find anything. So, but, but I got good news. Literally, as I was driving over to tape this, I got a text from one of my sharpest college football players, and he has let me know. When you say players, you mean batter. Batters, absolutely. He has let me know that Duke is one of his biggest bets of the bowl season, and he did not elaborate why. He was just disclosing. And I can tell you, this is a guy who, when he bets, that's the side you likely want to be with. Ooh. So, and it's three and a half minus 115 and and it's never been better. I love when I get a really sharp pick that you that's offering the most valuable value price-wise than any time earlier. So that's interesting. Oh, it, it was higher earlier. I have oh. a, I have a bigger bet on Duke at a better oh, number. What was it? It's 5. Well, then why I I'm it must have swung up and down then. It, it has. It's been swinging up and down. You know what I'm going to do is uh Hey, Mackie, do me a favor. Tell Mark who puts together our sheets that on the, so, so guys, there's a game center. There's three different game center views, right? So if you haven't gone to the game center, you really should pregame.com game center. And there's three tabs. There's overview odds consensus consensus shows all of the cash and bet tickets. Only place to have cash for free in the world. Okay. He's given me that view. Tell him starting next time I want to see the overview view because it actually has an image showing the line move. So the opener was three. It's currently three and a half, but it sounds like that it went way up and now it's dropping down again. But I don't have that image. No, you don't. You got it, Mac? Oh, wait, Mac. So I can hear Mac in my ears, but you didn't hear him. Now I'm going to put it up. Okay, go ahead, Mac. Overview. Got it. See? We're fancy. (laughs) All right, Brad, make your case. Yeah, I like Duke here. And I think what you have, uh, first and foremost, is the biggest coaching mismatch of the bowl games. Duke's head coach, David Cutcliffe, eight and two against the spread in bowl games so far. And I got to tell you, it's really nine and one against the spread because one of the losses was arguably the biggest bad beat in the history of college football. One of those games, it showed highlights year after year. On top of that, here's why I think there's significant value on Duke. Last their last game as a 10 point favorite, Duke lost 59 to seven to Wake Forest. That is the biggest disparity between the spread and the score in any college football game in the last 10 years. So the market for the most part was throwing Duke in the trash after getting crushed in their last game. I say, uh, uh-uh. uh, they rally and circle the wagons here. Duke plus three and a half. I like, and Duke is a team that I think is obviously live on the money line. They're one of the teams I gave out uh, on the straight out of Vegas show as far as money lines go. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, I was glancing at the straight out of Vegas notes, by the way, guys, we will be live on Friday. A lot of people taking Friday off, Colin Cowherd, skiing. 
Skiing. I, I'm not yeah. skiing. I'm freaking working. We're working Christmas Eve. Ski after the football season ends, right? I mean, Steve, you ski, you surf, you, I mean, when you take four vacations, you got to do it all, I guess, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't, I'm getting ready for next year, but you know, that's different. <laughs> you know, the old saying, you never are going to sit on your deathbed and wish you'd put more hours in, but you're going to sit on your deathbed saying, man, I wish I wasted more time. I guess, listen, if you love to ski, great, right? Everyone should have a hobby or two, but those guys that are like VPs at companies, and they came from rich families. So you could tell it was kind of low friction to get there, but they're not getting any higher. It's just they can, they look good in a suit. So they got that V, you know, whatever VP level job. They seem to all have like five or six different hobbies. Like I ski, <laughs> I run, you know, I scuba dive, I hunt. There's all, it's like, who would have time for all that? Pick one or two and put your passion into. I'm not saying be like me and never do anything but work. I'm cause I wish I just, you know, I love, I mean, I listen, I love movies. I love TV. And like, I love to go to LA for the, you know, three or four days and watch a bunch of movies, you know, in between meetings or whatever. But I just, and again, I don't have kids. So I get that. There's the family thing. But if you, if, other than the kids, if my choice is to go ski, now again, again, but if you're skiing with a family, I get it, right? Or if you're skiing with buddies, like I love the idea of trips once a year where like the college buddies go to New Orleans or something. That is great because you get to keep connected with your past yep. friends. But I don't know, Fez. You tell me. Well, just for the listeners out there, I always wait in May because I take lots of my vacation in the summertime. What, like three weeks last? Uh... First of all, he's talking about vacation like it's some formal thing. <laughs> so like every every May, I wait for like a week where I like I feel like I no hit on all the cylinders. Off. And I'm doing everything right. And RJ's like, you're doing a really good job, Fez. And I'm like, by the way, you got a minute, RJ? Here's my, I've had it in my car for like three weeks. Here's my suggested <laughs> vacation schedule for the summer. And there's a long pause. But you know what would be funny is if it would just shut him up from how overworked he is he could go on 10 vacations but he could come back from vacation brad a test or not he could come back from vacation and literally three days later he'll f something up he'll I'll go fez he'll go oh man i don't know i'm just overworked <laughs> i'm so sleep deprivated rj i just can't yeah. keep it straight. Right or wrong. Yeah, spending right. so much time right? working for yeah. you <laughs> We hear about the grind. Oh, it's, yeah. August, it's August 15th. Yeah, he still, yeah, just yeah. came off vacation. Yeah. Two weeks sunburned. <laughs> so this isn't your best bet, Brad. It's not. Uh, it's close. This would be a clear number two for me. Okay. And we do have one last thing we got to decide here. So Fez, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you rule on this. We have, you know how like some families have a swear jar? No. You've never heard of a swear jar? I can imagine what it is some kind of fine when you swear. You've never yeah, heard of a swear jar? No. Oh my goodness. Like every TV show has had ever, one. like the Brady from the Brady Bunch. Simpsons. Has. Everyone's had Really? That. Yeah. The Sopranos. Yes. Boy, that just that could be a whole other ten minutes. I know. I'm just gonna ignore that <laughs> and start over. So, Fez, you know what a swear jar is, obviously. Of course I do. Now. <laughs> Here's the question. We've got a rule. If a better talks about a pick they made at a number not presently available, mm. a bet they made, it's a $50 fine. It goes in the jar, and we have a party eventually. Right. So, Brad, 
He could have said, oh, it was earlier. You know, it was five earlier. But instead he goes, oh, well, I can tell you I can just speak from personal experience. <laughs> I've got a bad number in three and a half in my pocket. Yeah, I noticed that, but yeah. I, I, don't, so, I didn't see him put any money in the jar. Yeah, so the question is, now his case could be, well, we were, you were wrong, RJ, about the line being not being above three and a half. So I was informing the audience. But to my case would be, you wouldn't need yeah. no to talk about having your own your own bet on. Yeah, no disclosure necessary. So what do you rule? Oh, I rule in favor of you. No, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm asking you. I put the money in the jar. <laughs> I might not have a 50 spot on. That's right. Well, how, we'll keep a tally. Yeah. We trust you. <laughs> but I think you're right, Fez. <laughs> Next game. Because what good does it do the listeners? We're always listener first, Brad. I know that no, no, that's foreign. That's such a self-interested person. But Wisconsin, Miami of Florida, Miami of Florida, three. Oh, Fez, this is your best bet. It is, and I like whiskey plus the three. Normally, I try to shy away from teams in the northern climates in bowl season. Why? Because I hate it when they go to some heat and some humidity. They might get distracted by some warm weather, and they don't put their best foot forward. But that's not the case here. Here is the rare bowl game where I think all the advantages are for the team from the north, Wisconsin. What we know about them, there's nothing to do in Wisconsin, and they are loyal beyond belief. that No team travels better than Wisconsin. This game's in New York, the Pinstripe Bowl. It's going to be lousy weather. 40 degrees cold, and we know the crowd is going to be two-thirds Wisconsin fans. They're going to love to travel to New York. And the last time I saw Miami of Florida travel to cold weather side, I know they went to Blacksburg, Virginia Tech, but that game was in the 50s. This game's going to be below 40. I remember them shivering on the sidelines against Pittsburgh last year when they had a better team and they got rolled at Pittsburgh. I don't think Miami's excited about going to New York City or certainly not excited like Wisconsin is. And I love the fact that Wisconsin motivation, they lost their final game 15 to 37 against Minnesota as a big favorite. They're going to have this game circled and they are going to win this game, I believe. So I think you blended two things together. So let, let me be clear. One is the weather Whereas it could be, well, I guess there's a couple of things. One weather is in, if it's a Northern cold weather, they could be, uh, if it's really hot, it could be too hot for them. Right. But obviously not the case here. Number two is good weather kind of is a proxy for like a place with distractions. Right. So you're saying that people in Wisconsin, now you grew up in Dayton, right? Yes. And would you say there's a lot to do in Dayton? Nothing. Okay. All right. So you know, all Fez all haughty about, you know, Wisconsin, but okay. Good Air Force Museum. <laughs> all right. So the flyers. So the idea is, oh, down in, uh, you know, the Bahamas, maybe Wisconsin gets distracted, right? But weather isn't the only thing that can distract you. Like LA might be distracting, though that's got good weather. But New York City would be the one place with bad, without good weather that would have a lot to do, right? So, are we saying Wisconsin would be distra- I get the idea Miami doesn't necessarily want to go and they don't want to play in the cold, but do we think Wisconsin's distracted by the Big Apple? I don't think so. I mean, but to you this is more about the the cold being something that discourages Miami's enthusiasm for the game. Yeah, the cold is the primary factor. You tell me they they can play in New York City, they can play in Bismarck, or they can play in El Paso. If it's 38 degrees, I like Wisconsin in this game. Okay. Coincidentally, Mr. Dave Esler has his podcast bowl game 
of the year. Never heard of that, but okay. I like it. <laughs> Means he <laughs> likes it, baby. Best bet. And let's see if he agrees with Fez. Pinstripe ball. Love the Badgers. Here's the thing. Hornibrook was ruled out, and yet the line hasn't really moved. So Jack Cohn is going to play quarterback. He grew up an hour from Yankee Stadium. He might have more fans there than Miami. I wonder how many Canes fans are going to travel to New York in the cold between Christmas and New Year's when Hard Rock Stadium is barely over half full for a home game. The weather, it's cold. Who's going to quarterback for Miami? If Perry plays, he's questionable with pending disciplinary action. He's from Ocala, Florida. Rozier, Mobile, Alabama. I hope he does play. He's awful. The Badgers have the best player on the field, Jonathan Taylor. Cohen won't have to throw. And Miami defensive lineman, Gerald Willis, is out. He's a projected first-round draft pick. Chris, 3-0 at Wisconsin in bowl games. Last year, Rick couldn't beat the Badgers in the Orange Bowl at home. He won't beat them in Yankee Stadium this year. Love the Badgers plus the points. Fez, what do you agree with the most? Disagree with anything. Well, I think it's a great point on the revenge factor. That, hey, Miami, you know, they lost to Wisconsin the bowl game last year. So knee-jerk, oh, Miami has revenge. But the fact that that game was in the Orange Bowl last year and they still couldn't win, how are they going to win in New York? So, Brad, you have a lean on the total. You don't even have a lean on Wisconsin. So what's I, stopping you? I would lean with Wisconsin here. I, I think that the more value, at least for me, the way I look at it is on the under. I don't trust any of the quarterbacks that will be playing in this game, whether Hornybrook would have played or any of the two Miami quarterbacks. I, I just think the defenses have significant advantages. Both teams complete less than 60% of their passes. You look at Wisconsin quarterbacks this year, 17-13 ratio. I do expect one side of the ball for Miami to bring it. It's the defensive side of the ball. It's the last game for their defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz. He's off to get a head coaching job at Temple. Those players love him. He's a son of a mayor in Miami. He's probably the next Miami, Florida head coach. That's how much he's loved there. But he decided to come back and coach one more game. You'll get great effort on that side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball is a major question mark because of that. I'd lean under, but I'll agree with the guys. If a push came to shove, I'd rather have Wisconsin in my pocket than Miami. Yeah, and I think that like I said, my basic strategy is to play against the teams from the North, play against the Mac, play against the Big Ten, all things being equal. And here's the rare case where the venue favors that team from the North. So you said he came back to coach the D.C. Typically in this spot, yep. he wouldn't. No, his coach be wouldn't be. Yep. So this is like the Frost situation. The players respond to him, his extra loyalty. Exactly. Okay. Next game. Baylor, Vanderbilt, Vandy minus four. Anything fast? I am passing this game. Brad. And even I don't have too much. I think the number is relatively close. The only advantage that I can get here as far as a point spread value goes is on Baylor just because I expect the Bears to have a significant crowd advantage in this one. I don't think it's being fully priced in the marketplace. Both teams should be very excited to be here. Both are 6-6. Six and six. Both teams won their final game of the regular season to get the bowl eligibility. Usually that's a major positive for those teams, but now if they're playing one another, you can throw that out the window. I think you get max effort from both. Just a lean, a slight lean on Baylor, plus four. So not so much where the edges are, but if I said, what are the three... Like if we were doing like some of these online sites put together like the matchup. So yep. it's like you got all the columns, you know, not so much how's this offense match, but what are the three biggest factors in this game? You're saying net net, 
that come out to Vandy being favored by four. But what is the factors that conclude that? Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned on the Baylor's offense, how they generate it. One of their best players, probably their most talented player, Jalen Hurd, is going to be out for this bowl game. He's their leading wide receiver. Very good NFL player, but he's not sitting out because of the draft. He's sitting out because of an injury. Got injured very late in the year. So that you don't have a lot of data points with Baylor's offense without him in the lineup. That would be my major question mark for the Baylor side. On the other side for Vanderbilt, you know, I expect a lot of teams. Vanderbilt comes into this game with the longest cover streak. They've covered five games in a row. And a lot of times I think teams that come in hot against the spread, they tend to get pricey. So that would be a negative, in my opinion, for Vanderbilt. So negatives on both teams, in my opinion. That concept of the ATS streak, there's two ways that matters. One, if it's a NFL team, if it's a bit, if it's during the NCAA tournament, everyone's betting a lot of these games. It's caused a big chunk of the public has won with them. They won five in a row and I either won with them or lost against them or at least saw a buddy of mine win with them or lose against them. Not many people. <laughs> That's good. Point. Had bet on Vanderbilt or Baylor. Doesn't matter who has yeah. the streak. Now, if it was a regular, if it were a regular season game, go ahead, Brad. No, I think you're going to make a great point. Regular season game, I wouldn't even brought that up because, because don't... people don't have enough time to dig it. And here, there's only a couple games a day. Mm-hmm. They're pulling out the amateur handicapper. Oh, look, they've covered a bunch in a row. And we're thinking that makes them expensive. They're thinking, well, more the same place. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, next game. Thank you. Um, Purdue, Auburn. Oh, Faz, you got something? Yeah, I'll lean to Purdue here, and it's all well, about... I'll finish the line Jeez. real quick, though. Oh. Wow. <laughs> he loves to talk. <laughs> you know, it's, for someone that chokes up on national radio as much as he does, he just wants to talk. <laughs> go, baby, Fez, go, Fez, go. Listen, when you talk, it's gold. It's either going to be great information or it's going to be great ball busting. So we win either way. There we go. Bananas. There's no locks in betting except when Fez talks, we all win. All right, Auburn is three and a half against Purdue. Fez, you might have something here. I'm going to lean, <laughs> lean to Purdue here, and it's all about helmet helmets here where – I look at Purdue and they're playing Auburn, who's really down this year versus prior years, but they still have the Auburn uniforms on name brand SEC school. You got to feel Purdue super excited to play against Auburn. I'm not sure if the flip side is true. If you're from Auburn and the SEC, how can you be excited to play Purdue, a team that oftentimes struggles even to make a bowl game? And because of that, I could look only towards Purdue in terms of motivation incentive. This is a good example, though, where that may be the case. It's obvious Auburn doesn't have as much to play for as Purdue. But, Brad, what's the power ratings say? The power ratings are going to be agnostic. They're not going to consider that. So if the power ratings say three and a half, I'm going to think, okay, motivational edge Purdue. But if the power ratings say five and a half, I'm going to think it's built in. So here's the trick, guys. you got to get the factors that matter. But then assess, are those factors built into the line? Oh, imagine someone said, I'm betting the Pats next week. Why? Tom Brady's good. Oh, that's true, right? But it's built into the number. What's What should the number be here, Brad? I got Auburn by four. Okay, Half so a point. smidge. Yep. 
Right, what else you got on this game? Yeah, well, I agree with Fez, but I think one of the motivational factors that he didn't bring up, I think Purdue's excited because their head coach, Jeff Brom, could have went back to his alma mater, the state that he grew up in, the city that he grew up in, could have taken the Louisville job to say, no thanks, I'm staying here at Purdue. We got unfinished business here. If I'm a Purdue player, been recruited by Brom the last couple of years, that makes me extra excited that he stayed on to coach for Purdue. I don't know about much longer than a year, but at least he's going to be here. And another factor that I like, I think Brahms a better just head coach than Malzahn. Malzahn's a big name, at least in, down in the SEC national title game appearance. Don't like the bowl performances from him. One and four in bowl games for Malzahn. Jeff Brahm, one of the better up-and-comer uh, college football head coaches. Perfect three and old in bowl games. Lean Purdue Fest, but I also lean with the over. You give Jeff Brahm time to prep. He's a very creative play caller. Uh, I think they'll have success against that Auburn defense, but I also think Auburn will have a little bit of success. Malzahn's going to be calling the plays. He's calling plays for his job in the next calendar year. So I think he'll also, he's a creative play caller, uh, dial up a player to lean over as well for me along with Purdue. Brad, you're looking towards the over in this game. And let me ask you, when we saw Purdue play Ohio State, probably there was no better illustration of a head coach that was able to dial up plays to exploit the weaknesses in the Ohio State defense with extra time probably will be able to do the same thing against Auburn here. Absolutely. So Malzahn, is that how you say it? Malzahn? Malzahn, Malzahn yep. He is going to be motivated coaching for his job. I'm always worried when someone gets more hands-on. Mm. So did the OC leave? Left. Okay, OC then left. I accept yep. that then, right? Yep. Remember, Riverboat Ron Rivera got all involved in the defense a couple weeks ago for Carolina. I didn't like that at all. It's like, if that was the better way to do it, why weren't you doing it the whole year, mm. right? But if someone leaves, that's fine. Yep. Here's a question, though. Do you think that the non-seniors, because seniors don't matter, how much do they want Malzahn coming back? Because if they really want him coming back, if he's a beloved coach, then all of a sudden now playing for his job infects the team, not just him. Would you say that he's a, a, a player favor? No, I wouldn't actually. So actually, maybe even where a lot of these younger guys might say, oh, we wouldn't mind a new coach in here. Yeah, Jared Stidham, the quarterback, who probably needs to come back for another year of playing. He's going to be like a third or fourth rounder. Would be better off coming back here. Said, nah, I'm skipping it. I'm going to the NFL draft. Mm. But he is playing in this game. So my thought was, hey, this is a game, a nationally isolated game, one final opportunity for him to put out some positive game film for the NFL draft. Maybe a little reach. <laughs> a little Coke Zero to get this thing going. West Virginia, Syracuse. Fez, you mind if I say the line real quick? Go ahead. Thanks. Syracuse, <laughs> one and a half. Go, Fez. Yeah, Syracuse, the favorite now. Oh, hold on. This is Brad's best bet. Yeah. Why would you try to jump on his best bet, Fez? Oh, you set him up. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, Brad? I thought you did. You waited for him to talk and then jumped in. Wait a second, Fez. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Fez, be quiet. Go, Brian. 
Yeah, again, we're going to take best bet, Syracuse minus one and a half, and it's a motivational mismatch, one of the biggest of the entire bowl season. Syracuse, excited to be there, a first bowl game for them in five years, trying to win 10 games for the first time since 2001. Even the fan base for Syracuse is excited. They sold out their allotment of tickets in just a couple of days, and we're talking a Syracuse fan base that has trouble selling out the Carrier Dome most weeks, so very excited fan base. Meanwhile, on the flip side, and this is the, the biggest part of the handicap, West Virginia quarterback Will Greer is out. Okay, that's price in line. He's worth about six or seven points. What's not being priced in is several other players also sitting out for the Mountaineers, including their top offensive lineman, their leading receiver, and hell, even their head coach, Dana Holgerson. How motivated is he? He was trying to get the Texas Tech job just a few weeks ago, trying to get interviewed for that job. They said, no, thanks. One of the reasons they said, no, thanks. Holgerson's one of the worst bowl coaches in the country. He's failed to cover five straight. I love Dino, uh, Dino, uh, Babers for Syracuse here. I, I, this is one where, you, you know, it's one and a half and, we could see an Army Houston type of situation here. One team is excited to be there. The other team isn't. Uh, blowout Syracuse. Yeah, I agree. The motivation, absolutely key here. How excited is West Virginia going to be? Think about it. They're in the top 10, and they lose a heartbreaking loss at Oklahoma State, and then a really close game against Oklahoma. They had their eyes on a really top bowl, if not borderline possibility of making the final yep. four. And now who do they get to play? A team that hasn't made a bowl in five years, a team that went four and eight last year, Syracuse, and they were good last year. They just got derailed completely by injuries last year. Uh, Syracuse should win this game. You know what I want to start doing, Brad? When someone loves a pick, I want to explain why the line is what it is. Because to me, if it's not obvious why a line is so wrong, so you're saying effectively you think Syracuse should be three and a half. Yeah. Right. Power if, ratings aren't going to call for it, but I think the motivation. Your line, yeah. Brad's line's three and a half. Yep. If you were going to, if I said, I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollar bet on this game, I'm willing to lay you 110. What do you put, make this line? Mm. Syracuse three. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I guess that is that's enough to get up because, I mean, getting from one and a half to two and a half. Isn't all that much, but it's 20 cents. So you're saying about 30, 30 cents of value, you see. Yep. Fez, what, what's the ROI on 30 cents of value? I'm thinking here. Um, I, I never think in terms of ROI. So 30 well, cents. What's the win percentage? I so, so if it's 57%, right? And you need 52.5% to break even, and you're at 57%, then, then your, your ROI should be 9%, 4.5%, the difference between 57 and 52 and a half times two. All right, so you're saying almost 10% yeah. on 30 cents. Okay, so that's it. Remember, if you if someone tells you, oh, the line's one and a half, I think they should be laying a touchdown, run the other way. You know, that's something Phil Steele used to do, on, the, on, on oh or he God, still does. Yeah. What was the thinking on that? He's square. <laughs> I'm okay saying that. I, I love the guy. I worked for him for seven Super years. Super knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable, but he's kind of, he's more square. Definitely more square than the two gentlemen I'm looking across from. Well, in a way, I think him and Ken have a lot in common. Where, yes. Ken, where Ken knows batting, but he knows college sports more yep. than he knows batting. I know no college sports and some batting, right? So there's a spectrum there. All right. So why is this line one and a half? It should, it should be three. What are you seeing that other people are, are other people not seeing the motivation? Are other people not seeing? Like, what aren't they seeing? Well, I think they're a little scared because West Virginia opened up a seven point favorite. 
So I think you know duct tape shoes guys will. I could. What cha- was there any information changes? Will Greer getting uh, moved the line six points by himself. The quarterback for West Virginia. Okay, so really, but if there's an information move, as long as that move is correct, yeah. the line hasn't moved. Yeah. Meaning West Virginia uh, with Greer at what was the opener? Seven. Okay. Or West Virginia without Greer at plus one and a half is about just the Greer adjustment, right? For the most part, yeah. But no, the that's, most, eight, that, that's eight and a half points, though. I think yeah, in, co- in college football, one of the best quarterbacks. How's yeah, he's be- worth about a touchdown. Now, now, this line's moved about, you know, through zero, we can talk. But since you and I were talking, Fez was asking me on a Friday night, we're doing Ken's show together. And this was, Syracuse was an underdog at that point. I said, hey, this line's You're saying, move. so the Greer move was from what? Seven to, to one. And now it's flipped to one. Yep. So you're saying that some of this is, oh, I'm getting, and again, going through zero is low friction. It's not as valuable because games don't end zero, right, in college football. Yep. Uh, but other than, let's think of it like the line as it was at West Virginia minus one on Friday. Why was that line what it was? I'm not, I, I, I don't have a concrete answer why it was. Well, then that scares me. Like, to me, do you agree? If you can't explain why the market has aligned what it has, it means you're missing something. Well, I think the markets, every, there's a lot of batters as sharp, if not sharper, you know, running syndicates that, that have, are letting this line sit there. They're saying this, I don't, we don't, we don't want one and a half. Like, we don't want to lay one and a half with Syracuse. Why? Now, it could be they're waiting for the limits to go. How does college football bowl image evolve? You know, I don't know when the big biggest limits go up because they're obviously they're all staggered. So it's not like the NFL. You, let's say t- if you're looking to get 10,000 down on a game, you got no problem pretty much at any point after the first day or two. In the NFL, yes. Or, or in college football bowls. You, you got to go to several places. The, the limits are lower in a college football bowl. So right now, at, let's say stations. Unless you, I mean, I know you've got your restrictions there. You've got restrictions. But a normal batter can walk in and get what? Five down? I think 5,000. Yeah. 5. yeah. That's it. That's, That's it? it. That's amazing. How about like at M- like at MGM or Westgate or or South Point? I know if you're drunk and no, and, 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 and learning like disabled, they'll give you a lot I, of limits. I, yeah. But I'm saying someone that can string a sentence oh, together. I think only five thousand at the Westgate. I know their NFL is only ten thousand. Hmm. That's interesting. Wow, that is now it's crazy. open to, to negotiations. You, you can always well, ask yeah, for yeah. more. Is if they want, if they think it's a bad side, <laughs> right, they'll yeah. take more. I get it. I get it. Bookies are bad. So this may well be the case, RJ, where the the smaller pro betters went ahead and bet Syracuse plus one, pick them minus one. This is this is a thousand to, to ten thousand a game, right? But the biggest syndicates are saying, you know what? We may well like Syracuse at anything minus two and a half or less, but we want to get down up chunk of it and they're waiting till the day of the game and that's the thing you might say why not bet it now bet it later but the act of them betting it now moves it faster the question is would you rather if you want to get down three hundred let's say a big big syndicate would you rather get down fifty thousand at let's say plus one and then the other 250 at, let's say, minus two and a half, you know, it runs up. Or would you rather get down the whole piece at minus one? Meaning for them, if they're piecing together a big, big position, let's say 300K, and we're talking about $10,000 clips. I was talking to an NBA pro better a couple years ago. He said he quit betting NBA overnights. And I asked him, I said, well, how much did you want to get down? I think he said 10,000 was his 
unit at that point. He was batting 10,000 a game, right? And I said, how much can you get down overnight? And he said, oh, you know, 3,000. I don't know who his outs were, but whatever. So my thinking, he goes, but I won't bet it overnight because that tells him who I like. And then the next day, the whole world is going to be. So that for him, the question was, let's just say the favorite's five and he likes the favorite. Would he rather have 3,000 at minus five, the virgin number, and then the other 7,000 at minus six and a half, or let's just say minus six, or would he rather have the whole piece the next morning at five and a half? The act of him getting the chunk early will cause cause him to have to pay more later. Mm. It's a great point. Remember in the movie Wall Street when someone's taken over Endicott Steel and Charlie Sheen's on his motorcycle and he gets that information? It's almost the same thing that as soon as you leak, you make that first bet. Hmm. This line just went from five to six at one place. Let's find out who bet that. And you get that information. Then you go to sleep. You wake up the next morning. Someone else has undercut you. And now the market's seven because the information got out there. Blue Horseshoe loves Anacostia. All right. Next game. <laughs> so just to be clear, best bet, Brad, as he would say, Syracuse, Iowa State, <laughs> Washington State, Washington State minus three. A double like here, Fez. Let's start with you. Yeah, I like Iowa State. This is all about the disappointment of Washington State. It really was a dream year for Washington State. College game day came to their stadium, and their improbable run towards the Pac-12 championship continued until they ran into Washington at home. And what a disappointment. The game, there was snow on the field, and Washington just stuck it to Washington State, the same old thing, big brother against little brother happened again. And Washington State really wasn't even competitive in that game. I have to feel that this Washington State team is very disappointed only in playing in the Alamo Bowl. Now they have to travel to the heart of Big 12 country advantage. Iowa State, I like Iowa State. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you, Fez. I like the Cyclones as well. One thing that we've seen from Leach, poor in the bowl time, why? Quirky offense gets kind of negated by the extra time to prep for Mike Leach's quirky offense. One in seven against the spread his last eight bowl games, Mike Leach's. And what's the perfect opponent to at least, uh, I would, you know, to stop that defense? I think it's Iowa State, a team that's already faced some wide open spread offenses and pass happy offenses like Texas Tech, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. They've covered Iowa State all four of those games, winning three of those outright. Iowa State with their dime package, one of the better defenses in the Big 12. I'll take the Cyclones plus the three, and I think they can win the game outright. That'd be funny if he goes, I'll take the three, and I think there's no chance, though, they win this one outright, but I think three (laughs) is an excellent bet. (laughs) Now, let's talk about the leech situation. So one of the things, we have Greg Cosell, NFL Films, 40 years almost, I think, and he said something when the Rams played the Vikings on Thursday night. He said, as much as McVeigh gets credit for being sophisticated, his it's the Leonardo da Vinci line that said, the greatest sophistication is simplicity. Is it's the simplicity of the Rams offense where there's, you know, and again, a decision tree, I think, for the most part for the receivers. You teach it, you teach, and they're doing the same thing a thousand times, but it's got nuance within it. He said that team's going to do better on short rest, right? And it strikes me, Leach is the same, whereas you got these teams that are going to do particularly well. And we're talking about the offenses now, not opposing them. Some teams that are more 
there's a system and we just vary based on what you do, right? The defense is going to do a certain something. We could play a second game the next day. Forget the physicality. We don't really need to prep. Our offense is going to do the same thing. We're going to let you react to us and then we're going to react to you, right? Whereas some coaches really benefit from extra rest, a guy like Andy Reid, because why? His system is so sophisticated. You give him an extra week, he's going to put a whole new package in you've never seen before. It's the opposite. It's it's not a variation on a theme. It's multiple themes. So it cuts both ways. If, if, if Washington State, and I think we had it this year, we were playing on a Thursday, I think, and they didn't have a bye before. And we thought, and I'm just going by memory here, oh, Leach is fine here. He doesn't need to prep as much. This is the opposite. All these extra weeks doesn't do Leach any better. He's got what he's got. Yep. But the opponent's getting extra time to figure out what he's doing. And that opponent, head coach is Matt Campbell, uh, one of, I think, the top five up-and-coming coaches in college football. But not as good as the high state coach, Jones. Jones Day, oh, you mean? Or Day, I mean, yeah. That's it. Jones Day, I'm thinking of the That's debatable. I'd rather have Matt Campbell than Ryan Day. You know more than the Ohio State University? No, I don't. We'll see. At least you admit it. That's a good. (laughs) Nevada, not Nevada, Nevada, Arkansas State. Fez, real quick, line is one and a half. Why don't you start, Fez? I have nothing on this game. I pass it, RJ. Brad. Yeah, I lean on Nevada here in this one. I got to go off my power rings. Nevada, I have, should be the favorite here. Although, a little bit of concern for me that their top wide receiver is going to transfer out to Texas Tech, won't play in this game. But I think, generally speaking, Nevada is you know generally more excited than Arkansas State. Why? Nevada's in their first bowl game in the last four years. First one under this head coaching regime here. Arkansas State, bowl trip, another one for them. A Kind of a disappointing season for Arkansas State. Meanwhile, Nevada is a 123 to nothing blown lead away from entering this game with five straight wins. So they're playing their best ball of the year. Just a lean on the Wolfpack here for me. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Okay, guys, next game, Florida, Michigan. Wow, this is a double like. Michigan favored by six and a half in this game. Brad, let's start with you. Yeah, I like the Gators here, plus the six and a half. Although, if you listen to Straight Out of Vegas, we gave this out as one of our early best bets, plus seven and a half. You asked me, RJ, what, what's a game that line will move? I said Florida will. It'll cross through seven, and that's exactly been the case. So make sure you're listening to Straight Out of Vegas daily, and you would have gotten... So the line was and is now? Uh, Florida was plus seven and a half. Now, Florida's plus six and a half. What's the new information? More Michigan players sitting out for the Wolverines. At the time we gave it out, the top defensive lineman, Rashawn Gary, was out for Michigan. But since then, not not only the offensive captain, running back Karan Higdon's out for Michigan, but the defensive captain, linebacker Devin Bush, also sitting out. Makes a lot of sense. This is a Michigan team that was one game away. They were favored in Columbus against the Buckeyes from most likely making the college football playoff. Meanwhile, Florida is excited to be here. This is a team that was four and seven a year ago, a chance to win 10 games under their first year head coach. Motivational mismatch. Give me the Gators plus six and a half. 
Fez, you also like Florida. Yeah, I like Florida. Brad mentioned last year, very disappointing for Florida. And the downward spiral started early week one when they played Michigan. And Florida had the suspensions in that game. And they got rolled 17 to 33. They will remember that game. So uh, big revenge for Florida as well. I like Florida. Okay, guys. In just a few games, we'll be breaking down the semi-finals. And we've got a best bet by text from Ken Thompson on one of the two games. Next, Virginia, South Carolina, South Carolina, five and a half. Fez, you pass. Brad, you got a lean. Yeah, just a lean on South Carolina. One of their better players, Debo Samuel, is out for South Carolina. That's a worry. He's their best deep threat on the offensive side of the ball. But this is an important concept and why I'm leaning with the, the Gamecocks. When you matched up the conferences this year, the SEC against the ACC, Total mismatch. SEC, a perfect 7-0 and o against the spread against the ACC. Two comparative teams as far as record goes. <laughs> the records might be similar, but in this particular case, South Carolina played much tougher competition. They'll have the crowd advantage there in Charlotte. Give me South Carolina as a lean minus 5.5. You got anything on this one, Fezzy? Nothing. All right. Two games ago. Alabama, Oklahoma. You might have heard of them. Clemson, Notre Dame. First, no commercial breaks this week, but I'm going to ask a favor. No matter what podcast player you have, they let you rate podcasts, right? iTunes is famous. We now have 900 iTunes ratings. So our listeners in a given month, we have over 2 million listens typically. Uh, Obviously, some of you are listening more than once, but only 900 Ratings on iTunes. Now, I know a lot of you never thought of it. It helps. We actually have a perfect, a perfect five star rating. That's amazing. For 900 ratings, having a five is great. Thank you for that so much. I'd love to get those ratings up. Take a second. And if it's not iTunes, all the better because there won't be that many ratings on some of the other players that will help us go in. It will let you rate the dream preview. And if you get a chance, please do me a little Christmas good cheer. Give us a Max rating if you love it. Now, listen, why would you be listening this long if you didn't love it? Come on. That's why I did this at the end. <laughs> so, please, and we'd appreciate it. All right, here we go. This is the game that people are going to talk about for years to come. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Alabama, 14. Oklahoma, two leans here, both on Bama. Let's start with Fez. Yeah, I lean Alabama. In my eyes, this is all about the total on this game. This total is 77 as opposed to a typical college football game in the high 50s. So what's happening? There's going to be 40% projected more scoring in this game than a typical game. So if you just looked at power ratings between these two teams, even if your basic power rating said Alabama should only be a 10-point favorite, when you normalize it for 40% more scoring, you get the to Texas, 14. they found out. They didn't have pitching. When he went That's to hilarious. The, uh, Yankees, I mean, they, he got That's Fox connecting to us. Let, I'm money. just, hey, we don't add Baseball, it here. I'm going to just take this down. Different sport. But, but I, don't, I can't say with confidence <laughs> right, second, Harper's going to get them a ring. But here's the other See, look, I own the board. Boom, gone. Wait, they're back. Fox. Back. Buzz to buy. Hello. Gone. Is, oh, hey. Sherman Oaks. So, hey, Sherman Oaks. You're on a podcast live right now. What's going on? I like it because he creates buzz. We'll be uh, ready to connect here. Uh, you, we can stay connected. It's just I'm going to turn you guys down in my mix. That's fine. Oh, I appreciate that. All right. There you go. The live action. All right. Um, Fez, I so disagree with you on this one. And and it's the same thing that last week in, in the NFL pod, we'll be talking about our 
unfortunate two and three week in the super contest. This idea of every freaking half wit on Twitter is like, uh, how can you, uh, how can you take, uh, the totals 37, RJ? How could you lay nine and a half? It's like, do you really think that the very fact you're saying, let's use that as an example, because that's e- even easier to think about is I don't want to lay a big number if the total is low because each point is worth more. You're saying this on a podcast. Even half sharps, the duct tape shoe guys knew this 10 years ago and they still, meaning that's keeping people off Tennessee. Thus, in this example, thus the line gets deflated because of it. Yes, but in college football, you have such extreme high and low totals. Think about in the NFL, you got totals 37 up to what, 55. Okay. College foot. This is a 77 total. It's like, what's, what's the, so the average total. In the NFL is what, 44 now? It's 47. Okay. And so a low, low total is 37, a high, high total, 57. So there will be outliers, but a 20-point range. So what's the case in college? What's the average total in college? 58. All right. And so that means 68. So you're saying 58, 68, 40. So 48 to 68 would be the 20-point range. And this is 77. Okay. But- wouldn't the same concept apply? If you understand the concept, it would apply if the outlier total high or low was even more pronounced. Well, it should apply, but I don't feel like it's being applied. So now that, that's back to the idea of the power rating. So you're saying you look at this power rate. What does your power rating say in this game? Alabama by 14 and a half. So what are you talking about, Fez? So the number should be higher because the pure power rating is 14 and a half. And now you've got an, you're basically playing a game and a half. But you just said, but the point is Brad's numbers, no one's numbers. I think Brad's are as good as anyone's, but no one's numbers are always going to be exactly right to a half point. So what we're saying here is in general, and that's the thing to remember in power ratings. And this is an important point. In fact, I'm going to write this down. I don't think I've ever said this before. Brad's power ratings have no idea who the other team's going to be. Each team. So the fact that a number could be around three or seven or 10 or 14 doesn't mean his power rating. If anything, ideally the power ratings should be by cents. Like how many cents is a team better? And then you would build Mm. up the line times the total. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is let's say that, um, you know how you can say, uh, you could take any spread has a, any spread has a juiceless money line, right? Yeah. So, so let's say minus three is typically uh, what's the juiceless money line in college or NFL? College minus one fifty, minus one fifty, plus right. one fifty. Okay. So what I'm saying is, if Brad has his power ratings that say three and a half points of difference, it's going to be should be favored by three and a half. Lines are only three. Wow, that three is a key number. Well, no, he's saying three and a half average points, typical. Points, half points, points. Now, if we said minus 150 and he had the teams where instead of half point apart, let's say he said every half point was worth seven cents. That's probably the average half point, six and a half in, in college football. Would you agree? Yeah, blend seven, seven cents. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So seven cents. So if he's saying three and a half, you would go seven times. Uh, let's think about that now. That'd be seven times seven, right? Seven times seven is 149. Thus, it would actually be a three is his power ratings would say the team should be favored by three in this spot, even though now the difference is three and a half. 
because that three in this case is so valuable, but in the power ratings, it's agnostic to what number it is. You, you see what I'm saying, Fez? I'm not. All right, so let's go following. through, let's slow down and go through this because this is a, an important point. Brad, like everyone else I've seen, his power ratings are half points. But then they, uh, or his or hundreds, yeah. but it's the same, con- yeah. it's the same concept. It's <laughs> yeah. raw points. Yep. So he says in the example of three and a half, we were saying team A is three and a half points better than team B. Okay. I think what he should say is if the given half point in college football, if each one blended, meaning three is more valuable, 11 is, and you blend them all, each half points worth seven cents. Now, if he's saying three and a half points, he's really saying three and a half times seven, right? And three and a half times seven, as we said, with three and a half being really three and a half times two for each of the half points in the three and a half, mm-hmm. or we could say each point is 14 cents. 14 cents. However you want to say it, it adds up to 149, mm-hmm. right? Now you just told me a, a big free money line on a three point favor is 150. Yes. So in his case, if his power ratings in this hypothetical showed a three and a half point difference, it really would be showing a 49 cent difference. And if you start to pick them and build up the money line, it would say this team should be favored by three because it's accounting for the fact that going from two and a half to three and a half is so much, those half points are so much more value. It's like Malinsky used to talk about whenever we would say, oh, Aaron Rodgers is worth eight points or nine points. He goes, well, which eight points are you talking sure. about? Right. Mm-hmm. So in this case, if you just looked at each half point as seven cents and then just had a big free chart to say, okay, it's saying that, that I'm uh, you know, 49 cents or better. Okay. This line should be three, but the way he's doing it now, it's saying three and a half. The reason I'm saying this is his power ratings are saying 14 and a half. That seems significant over 14, but really if he had it in cents, it would just be another seven cents. And that last half point, wherever that last half point ends up being, if it's on a key number, it takes on super significance. Yes. Which it really shouldn't because his power ratings aren't given a super significance. Does that make sense? Yes. You still aren't getting it. I still are you getting it? I am getting it. Explain it to him. To Fez? I don't know if I can do it mathematically. Right. But let me, let me give to... an example. Let's right. assume that Oklahoma and Georgia are equal teams, just for the yeah. for our discussion. Yeah. All right. Do I want to lay 14 with Alabama against Georgia? No, because it's going to be a lower scoring game. And there's just going to be more scoring back and forth and more of the scoring. So we're talking is going about to be a Alabama. Whole subject now. Well, I'm trying to I'm just trying to get at why the high total to me. No, I understand, yeah. but we got a, that's the beauty of a podcast. We have conversations. And I'm just I just not following the example. I don't know why I'm having so much trouble. All right, so why don't we do this? Obviously, we'll talk about this after. Obviously, uh at some point this is kind of fun to watch a sausage being made. Other times <laughs> you're like, "Get that freaking sandwich out there, buddy." So we'll move on. I guess my point would be this. The only reason I would be willing to lay more if the total is much higher than usual or be inclined to lay less, if the total is much lower is if I felt like the market wasn't doing the same thing you're asking me to do. Sure. Cause the, every known piece of information is in the market. It should be incorporated. The, the idea that it's not with these low totals or high totals. 
I had every Joe on Twitter tell me I was dumb for having Tennessee. So it seems <laughs> like they understand at least the old wise tale that, oh, don't lay a big number, except I put the numbers out there. If you lay, if a total is 37 and a half or lower, so the lowest totals in the NFL, last 30 years, Laying double digits with the lowest totals, 37 and a half or lower. And I only went 37 and a half because the Tennessee was 37. I want to give it a little headroom and go from there. It was 54 and a half percent for the favorite for the favor. Mm. And since 2010, where there hasn't been many of these low totals, it was uh, before yesterday, it was eight and one. Yeah, because you had guys like, well, does that make up for the, you know, the way the NFL scorings went up? Which, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you're following, you're following. And in that case, but, but since we took now, that would have been a valid point if I would have only had between 37 and a half and 36 and a half. Since I had 37 and a half and under, I had every freaking low total ever, like 32s and 33s might have been. And now you got 38. Yeah. Exactly. Or 30, yeah, 37 and a half or whatever. So I think it accounted for that. Mm-hmm. So it just strikes me, Fez, that there might be times that it's not being accounted for. But the starting point should be the power ratings. And if Brad's saying the power rating should be 14 and a half, then it seems like the idea that it's being that somehow you want to inflate the number because there's going to be more points being scored. Well, the number doesn't even need to be inflated because even without any inflation, Brad's saying that Oklahoma should be a bigger underdog than this. Yes. 14 and a half. Exactly. Yes. So I guess when you were saying, even if the power ratings say 11, but it's like the power ratings say 14 and a half. The power ratings say 14 and a half, and I have out and I have a total at a hundred. I'm gonna lay 14 and a half so, every but, single but time. Then maybe the question is why are you just lean? I'm just trying to figure out if I'm an upgrade. La- I'm liking Alabama. <laughs> you you made your I case. Mean, this whole conversation like has been that you're saying you should look at this line and the spread should be higher than you might think. And I'm saying Brad thinks it should be higher even if you don't account for exactly. it. Exactly. So I'm so like, why only lean it. No, we're liking Alabama. <laughs> You don't need to buy my opinion on this game because I'm liking Alabama. <laughs> Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I'm leaning on the Crimson Tide as well here. You I don't think, like them? No. Well, <laughs> I think the narrative what's keeping this at 14 is, you know, who wants to play a higher scoring game? To me, oh, this is if you're telling me the totals in the upper 70s, low 80s, this is the highest total Nick on a Nick Saban ever coached team, whether it be NFL, college, 20-some years of experience, highest total in a game he's coached in. So to me, maybe the market's saying if it's going to be a shootout type of thing, uh, you know, who does that benefit more? Some people, some duct tape shoe guys are going to say, if it's a shootout, that benefits Oklahoma because that's all they play in each and every week. Uh, but I question it being a shootout. Oklahoma's best defense, our best deep threat, their wide receiver, Marquise Brown, maybe the best deep threat in all of college football across the country, got hurt in the Big 12 championship game. It was a nasty ankle injury. He's questionable here. Even if he does play, is he going to be 100%? Is he going to be able to rely on his speed to take the top off the defense? Those are legitimate questions, and if it comes up, uh, he doesn't play. I think Alabama can put an extra guy in the box, spy Kyler Murray, give me the Crimson Tide, who should be better prepared, I think, to stop a mobile quarterback. Why? They see one now, a dual-threat quarterback every day in practice where in past years where past Alabama defenses have struggled. Well, who are they practicing against? A.J. McCarron, Greg McElroy. Now they finally have that dual-threat in uh, Tua Tungo-Vailoa, so I think Alabama's better equipped to stop a mobile quarterback. Give me the Crimson Tide. So some people might say, and quite frankly, my first instinct is, well, wait a minute. Even if Oklahoma's down 20 with a minute 30 left, I'm probably 40% chance to cover if they have the ball, Mm. right? 
And I think that goes into the old adage of if you're laying a big number, what is the desire for the favorite to get margin? Meaning, are they going to keep their foot on the gas? And what I have seen is, and, and this is the case in the NFL, you would think NFL double-digit underdogs in the playoffs would be great. You got a team good enough to make the playoffs and you're giving me doubles, but double-digit favorites in the playoffs in the NFL are horrible. Or, or I'm sorry, double-digit underdogs are horrible. The favorites have won a ton. And I and it took it's been a couple of years, but I looked at it and I said, Oh, okay. Because I think a big chunk of the value you get from double-digit underdogs in the NFL is most of the time the other team doesn't care about margin. Mm. I mean, if it, they're not going to try to make it not happen, they get up by 17, they're in the third quarter. Not that they're not going to try to play hard, but they're not going to do fake punts. They're, not gonna, they're just saying, let's get out of this game without getting hurt. Especially against a good offense like Oklahoma. Saban, up 28, is going to want that next score. Going to want to make a statement. Borg style. Want the, whoever he plays from the other semi to be scared. So in a weird way, this game, I would say, has like the least amount of value on a teaser. Like to me, if Alabama is just going through them like a buzzsaw, they who knows? Alabama wins this by 28. If Oklahoma is able to score every time, the theory is Alabama is going to score almost every time. Right. The question is, can Alabama have a couple of big play? It only takes one pick six. And unless you stop the other team, you're never going to catch up. Yep. Right? It's like tic-tac-toe to some degree. Yeah, so if Alabama stops Oklahoma two of their first three offensive possessions and that Or point, two of their first eight. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm just it, early on, if it's two out of three and Alabama's up 14 to nothing, I think you got to seriously consider live wagering taking Alabama minus 23 and a half at that point. You know, that's interesting because your general premise, Fez and, and Sharp guys, with halftime lines and stuff, games regress. Games get back to the number. But oftentimes that's because the favorite has no real desire for margin. Do you think differently when a favorite really has desire for margin? Oh, absolutely. Like, and to, to talk about the NFL to compare and contrast, like, look at the Cincinnati Cleveland game. Bengals are down three to 26, and you blink, and the final score is only an eight point margin. That happens all the time in the NFL. And I don't see that happening. But it doesn't right. happen as much in the Super Bowl. No, it doesn't, because you just put your foot on their throat and step on them. So it's not so much the, the teams care about winning by a lot. They just want to take that. Look how aggressive Atlanta was when they were up big, even though it bit them in the butt. Their thinking was Brady could come back at any time. We got to keep scoring. Now, in hindsight, people say, oh, they were too aggressive, Atlanta. But it's not so much you want to win by a lot. It's you you want to max the chance to win the game. So even if you were conservative, maybe you have a 97% chance to win. You stay aggressive, it goes to 99. That's what Saban's going to want if he gets up 24. Correct. And the only concern I have with that is, remember, the book on Alabama this year is they've been the first half king. That You made tons of money by laying it with Bama in the first half versus the second half. Now, because of the motivations we've discussed, this game may well be different. But year to date, Alabama's been tremendous in the first half. Oh, I don't like that at all. To me, if, if you ask me why has Alabama been dominant or profitable, so so profitable in the first half, my answer would be simple. It would be because when their choice of playing hard and playing their starters in games when you're favored by 28 or more, it's all about how long do you play hard? How long do you play your starters? But they were always going to play hard in their starters in the first half. Yep. Yeah. And and now they're going to play hard the whole way. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the theory is now another reason you could like a team in the first half is because something about 
the scheme. They don't, they don't, uh, necessarily make adjustments so well at halftime. The other team does, but your guys come in the game plan with a script of the first 20, your team, the first 20 plays. I could see a reason about teams first half there if, if motivation or energy level wasn't the issue. But with Bam, if you think about that run of first half, Brad, when you say it's mostly this team was better than anyone realized, and the first half was the only time you would see it yep. because they were playing hard with their starters. Absolutely. I mean, they're with Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback, didn't take snaps in the fourth quarter for like the first six, seven games of the season. So Didn't win the Heisman. No, he didn't. 200 less snaps than, than Kyler Murray. I get it. This is a semifinal. Both teams are going to be max motivated. But I do expect Tua and the Alabama defense to have a little, maybe a slightly more chip on their shoulder. I mean, they really took that personally to Twitter when uh, Tua didn't get the Heisman over Kyler Murray. Yeah, but I think with the national title on the line. I don't know. I'll look back through it and I'll do it. I'll get the info. But the runner up in these like national title games or semifinals, the Heisman runner ups had the edge over the Heisman winner time and time again. Okay, check him out on Twitter for that at Brad Powers 7, P O W E R S, the mysterious number seven. Also, we're not going to do super. I mean, obviously, we're talking about this game a good bit, but we're going to do more of this on Straight Out of Vegas. On Friday, probably we'll put a video up on this too. So on my Twitter, you can check that out. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Last thing, total. This is a big game. Any thoughts on the total, Fez? I have no thoughts at all. No. Nothing. None. Well, I'd lean Make the, for, one I'd case. Lean, one case for the over, one case for the under. Well, the case for the over is a uh, Freddie Fanny pack. Haystack, hang are you? Uh, what are you talking about, man? Uh, uh you got the number one, number two scoring offenses in the country. Of course, you got to go over. Have you seen Oklahoma's defense here recently? Uh, I mean, they allow them 45, 50 points per game last five weeks. See, you got to go over. These two teams both averaging 50 points a game offensively. That means 100 points. I got 77 and a half. I go over. Because of that, I would likely lean more towards the under, which is where the money's come in the last 48 hours. This total's dropped three points. Haystack showed up without his theme song. That's yeah. very rare. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Has any, what's the biggest total ever? You may or may not know this off the cuff on a semifinal game. I do not know that. Or final game. I do not know. Because what I'm saying is, or a BCS game. I think the Buckeye-Oregon game was 70 and it went, it went under. The point I'm making is the whole Super Bowl idea, the whole idea that the first quarter everyone's nervous I mean, if I told you it was even 3-3 with seven minutes to go, you're making a monster bet on the under, as if you could bet it at the pregame line, right? Yes. You weren't sure about that? Well, you said 3-3 was... So six points and eighth of the way through the game? You said seven minutes in. So, you know, they're supposed to... Seven and a half. Yeah, but but, but remember, the first quarter is is only going to be like 14 and a half in this game. So it's only one point per minute. So actually, 3-3 would not actually project to being on an under pace. Okay, so 3-3 with uh, eight and a half minutes going. There you go. We'll go under. So what I'm saying is if they're just a little... If they're a little tight... Now, I wonder, what's the first half under? Because sometimes at the end, it does become a heavyweight fight, and they just score every 30 seconds. But So typically, in a big total game like this, Faz, no other consideration. 40. 77 half would be like a first half 40 or so 39 You're saying the half. first half would be higher? Slightly higher than half. That's it's, th- it's being dealt 39 right now. Wow, with the chance of overtime... 
And with the, like, why would the first half blowouts, put, blowouts, if it's like 35 to seven at halftime, the second half will now, be would like they 31. You, would they let you bet under, or can you bet like a half, a half, um, either first half or second half total and core and, and parlay it with like a team bet? Could no too correlated, huh. not a team bet as in over under a t- uh, number of points, but a team bet as in I'll take Oklahoma plus seven and a half in the first uh, half and I'll take under in the first half. No, too correlated. Oh, that's interesting. What do you think of under in the first half? I like it. I, I would lean towards that. I, I think Alabama's game plan is to run the football right down. I don't think they want to get in a shootout. Just run the football, control the clock, keep Kyler Murray off. They can do that just by getting first down after first down. Army did that. It's just if they, get, if, if they get in a third and, a, and nine, they're okay. Yeah, they'll just two. throw it. Then they'll open it up. I'd rather play first quarter under 14 and a half. Well, wait, a minute. let's think about the math here. So you're saying the total is almost 40. In the second quarter, I'm getting 26. All right, you're right, you're right. So my first quarter number is probably going to be 17 and a half. But so often... I thought you just said 14. I was, I'm, I'm not used to these 77, 78 totals. <laughs> Who so. is? Who is? Yeah. So it's probably going to be 17 and a half. Yes. All right. Next game. Final game. Clemson, Notre Dame. We got Ken Thompson's best bet on this one. Fez, we only got leans here. Let's start with you, Fez. And there was a line move here, right? This baby got bad up. Right? It in, did. The last Clemson, co- in the last week? Yeah. Clemson was right around 10 and a half, 11 point favorite. Got bet up to 13. I lean Clemson. I agree with this money. It's all about the big stage here, which Clemson absolutely is used to each and every year. And I'm concerned about the Irish being tight, being nervous, not having been there with the uncertainty of possibly Notre Dame not um, being able to play their A game because they haven't been there before. I'd lean to Clemson. Yeah, for that handicap, I'm on the other side. I've hearing way too much comparing this Notre Dame team to the 2012 team that wasn't ready for the prime time. I think, if anything, that gives Notre Dame a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in this case. And I found reading the articles and preparing for the college football semifinal, pro football focus ranked the top 50 NFL draft prospects in the semifinals. So just out of those four teams, Alabama, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, to no surprise, had the most 16. Who was number two? Not Clemson. Notre Dame with 15 players. Clemson only had 11. To me, I mean, whether or not you agree with it, that does not in any way, shape, or form, in my opinion, warrant a two-touchdown near spread in this case. I, You said Notre Dame is not ready for the big stage. They're playing in Notre Dame. It's not a Mac school. I mean, three of their 10 games were the most watched games in college football this season. I, I'm just not buying it. I think Clemson, when we saw them step out of conference this year. That great defense for Clemson gave up more than 500 yards to Texas A&M and 600 yards to South Carolina. I think the vaunted defense is a little overrated. What's your power rating saying this game? Clemson by only 10. So why don't you love Notre Dame? I haven't had a good vibe on Notre Dame all year. I haven't had a good read on them. I got to be honest with you. I just know enough to listen to other people. Did I hear this right? Is this fair to say Clemson's by far the weakest spot if you look at against the pass, against the run, passing, running, weakest is against the pass? Yeah, weakest is against the pass. They have you, a major weakness there. How would you rate Notre Dame's ability to pass? Good. I wouldn't say great, but definitely good. So I'm confused. It's like It seems like matchup favors Notre Dame. They don't have to. It seems like Clemson is only played. Who's the best team Clemson's played? I think Texas A&M. A game came down to a two-point conversion at the end. And who's the second best team? 
Well, who's the best passing team they've played? Like a, a, a top team that can throw the heck out of the ball. Uh, maybe Syracuse is the best offense they faced, and they had to win, win a close game at the at the end. I don't get it, Fez. What I mean, like this feels like that it's it's almost the the reverse of oh Notre Dame's overvalued. Really, his power ratings are saying ten. You know, maybe I'm just being ridiculously biased by the last time that Notre Dame was in the Final Four and they in, in the championship game, that Alabama game. Where when I watched that game, literally, it was just such men against boys that I can't get past that. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm throwing Notre Dame under the bus because of how, that game how many years players ago. are on this team for that? Zero. None. I, years, years ago. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's like, it'd be like if it's Boise State that never, or if it's some, like the Russian national team in soccer never came out behind the Iron Curtain, played one game, you might say, well, that's our game. Notre Dame's played a lot of good teams. Yeah, since but that. I see Notre Dame always going belly up in the biggest games against the biggest programs. You know, we got to run, but I mean, there's no freaking way to get around. And that was, you gave no, Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Brad. Yeah. And I think we haven't waited on Ken Thompson. Uh, also oh, I know. I know. Likes this uh, game quite a bit. Uh, here's one thing that just broke before. Last thing we'll give Ken's pick. Yep. Right before the podcast, uh, three players for Clemson tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. Main player is one of their best, if not best, defensive linemen as far as a draft prospect goes. And that is Clemson's biggest advantage. Their defensive line against Notre Dame's offensive line take the best player off that. So we're taping, line. We're, we're taping Monday at, uh, it's now 247 Pacific. Fez, you see the market moving? All right, let's give in a second. Can go ahead. Down to 12 and a half. Oh, okay. All right, let's get Ken's best bet. Hi, I'm Ken Thompson. I'm 10 and 3 Wait, on my best bets. Hey, I'm Ken Thompson. <laughs> hey, I'm Ken Thompson, 24 inch <laughs> python, brother. We got the sleeves out. The, sun, the sun's out. The guns are out, brother. Let me tell you, I'm 10 I've and been th- hanging and banging for years. <laughs> and I've been hanging and banging all year on these best bets. Let me tell you. <laughs> I got another winner for you guys hey, here. Mr. Thompson, who has a better best bet record, you or Brad? Hey, it's close now. It comes down to percentage points. <laughs> 10 and 3 for me, 12 and 4 for Brad Powers here. We'll see what happens. I agree with Brad here. Best bet. I'm taking Notre Dame plus the 13 here. <laughs> so Ken's somehow still getting 13, though. Oh, yeah. yeah I it, it doesn't matter. Notre Dame win this game outright by at least 20 points. <laughs> Oh God! You you better hope no one here. He doesn't know. Hey, yeah. if you know, listen. If I'm you, in trouble. Li- stop, stop. If you value Brad's life, don't tell him about that. Now, this is a conspiracy with hundreds of thousands of people. Please, for Brad's sake. All right, guys. We're special edition. We're gonna be out Monday morning, six a.m. with all the games. So this went out to Saturday. All the games Monday on Monday, six a.m. Yo, homeboy! Welcome to the hood, brother! Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app.
Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.